Well, good morning, everyone. What a privilege we have today of delving into God's Word. I trust that the Lord will speak to you today right into your heart. But before we read a text of Scripture, let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Word. It is a gift to us, bread for our souls. As we feast on your Word this morning, open our eyes to see you more clearly and warm our hearts at the wonder of who you are. Amen. So I've titled this message, Jesus. Just one word, Jesus. And it might seem like a short title, but as I prepared and pondered on Jesus meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well, this overwhelming sense stirred up in me that we needed to focus on Jesus today. So let's do this. Let's focus on Jesus as we read this story. And I pray that Jesus himself will meet with you wherever you are and that he will step right into your story. So please turn with me to John chapter 4. I'm reading from the New International Version. And we're going to read a long portion of Scripture, but it's such a wonderful story. So I'm starting from verse 4. Just some context to this is that Jesus and his disciples had been ministering in Judea and they'd been baptizing people and they were back, they were on their way back home to Galilee. And uh, this is where we pick up the story in verse 4. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which means it was about midday. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, 
Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. I'm going to jump down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. We thank the Lord for his word. The first point that I'd like to share with you today is that Jesus knows your story. Jesus knew the Samaritan woman's story, and he knows your story too. He knew that she had had five husbands, and he knew that the man she was living with was not her husband. He even knew that she had told him the truth in her answer. What I love about Jesus is the way he interacts with her as he tells her these things. There's no judgment. There's no shaming. Instead, he displays love and acceptance and genuine care. And in so doing, she recognizes, this woman recognizes that she's dealing with a man of God. Her immediate thought was that he must be a prophet because he knew all these things about her. And because Jesus knew her story, there was no need for her to hide or to put on a mask or to build a wall to protect herself. He knew her story. She was vulnerable before him. Her defenses were down. And she was able to have a conversation with him, a personal, relational conversation with him that opened up the way to a life-changing encounter. Now, Jesus knows your story every single detail, the good and the bad. He knows your name. He knows when and where you were born. He knows the type of upbringing you had. He knows every wonderful memory that you have made as well as the pain you carry and every single tear that you have cried. We don't need to wear masks with God. We can be vulnerable with him. When I was 17, I was living with one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. 
uh, the kind of person that John prayed about a little bit earlier, uh, there was some mixture in my life. But I remember how Jesus met with me and he said, Bruce, you're sitting on the fence. You need to choose a sign. He was asking, can I be the Lord? Can I sit on the throne of your life? Jesus knew my story. My life was like an open book before him. But just like the woman at the well, when he confronted me, I didn't experience judgment or shame. I experienced the same things that she did. I experienced love and acceptance and genuine care. And that day, I chose to follow him wholeheartedly. I said, you can be the Lord of my life. Now, Jesus knows you. Listen to Isaiah 43, verse 1, and I'll also read verse 4. In verse 1, it says, This is what the Lord says, He who created you, He who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And in verse 4, we read, Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. My second point is that Jesus wants to be part of your story. Think for a moment about your life. Think about your current situation. What are some of the things that occupy your thoughts? Because Jesus wants to be part of your story. Now, I wonder what time of the year it was that Jesus met with the Samaritan woman at the well. I wonder if it was a bright blue sky day or if it was gray and overcast. And I wonder what was occupying the Samaritan woman's thoughts as she was walking to the well to fetch water. I wonder what was on her mind. But on that specific day in history, Jesus stepped into her story. I love that Jesus had divine appointments with people when he walked on earth. And I love that he has divine appointments with people today. We see this throughout the gospel, how all the gospels, how Jesus had divine appointments with people. Can you remember the time that Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. On the way, they encountered a furious storm and the disciples feared that they would drown. And Jesus I woke up from his sleep and he rebuked the wind and he rebuked the waves and everything became perfectly calm. And they arrived on the other side and a demon-possessed man who lived in the tombs came down and met them. It was a divine appointment. Jesus went to the other side of the lake to set that man free. A whole legion of demons was cast out of that man that day. And here again, at a well in Samaria, a divine appointment had been arranged. Now, this woman was a Samaritan, so she was an outcast to the Jews. And even in her own town, she was an outcast because of her bad reputation. That is why she didn't draw water in the cool of the day with the other village woman. She was an outcast. But Jesus was on a mission. And on that day, his mission was her. You have to love Jesus because he stepped into her story despite her double outcast status. Double outcast status. And Jesus 
has her on his mind. He has the divine appointment with her and he meets her that day. And then he reveals himself to her as the Messiah. I don't know if you realize how incredible this is because even the disciples had to discover that Jesus was the Messiah through his teachings and through his miracles. And eventually they were like, wow, you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. And Jesus was very cryptic regarding his identity when he ministered to the crowds and even more so when he spoke to the Pharisees. They asked him straight and he didn't give them clear answers. Yet here, Jesus steps into this woman's story and he tells her his identity. Just like that. I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. The one who would come to save them. That's what Messiah meant. And it is from that moment that her story begins to change. Somehow, in her heart, she believes. And she leaves her water jars and rushes back to the town to tell everyone. Our stories are changed when Jesus steps into our lives. I have a cousin who had a life-changing encounter with the Lord a number of years ago. He met her in her deepest place of need and saved her. She tells how she had reached a place of hopelessness and depression. She was so tired of living. She was suicidal. And on that day where she, she, she was so hopeless, she, she phoned her mom. She said to her mom, Mom, I, I'm, t I'm so tired of living. And her mom started praying and her mom sent out some prayer requests to some friends and my cousin was living in Cape Town and she said, I think the whole of Joburg was praying for her. But the Lord had an appointment with my cousin that day because in the depth of her despair, she had such an overwhelming sense that she needed to go and visit a lady named Tanya. Now, Tanya was a hairdresser and also a friend of a friend of hers. And uh, my cousin uh, had met her before and, and, and she had felt so at peace in Tanya's presence. Uh, she, she didn't know then that Tanya was a Christian. But she went to her home and that day she ended up sharing her whole life story with this lady. And in her words, she says, I felt like I was being purged of my deepest pain. And then Tanya asked her if she wanted to pray. She says, my mom's been praying for me my whole life, but yes. And, uh, and uh, Tanya led her to the Lord. Soon after that, my cousin left her very high-profile job and uh, studied a degree in theology, and she's been in ministry for many years. You see, when we put our faith in Jesus, it is the start of a new life, a life transformed from the inside. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is the living water that Jesus was offering the woman at the well. His very life on the inside. If you are listening or watching and you realize that you, like the woman at the well, or like my cousin, that you are desperately in need of Jesus, please open your heart to him today. Because Jesus wants to step into your story, just as you are. You don't have to clean things up first. Just let him in. If this is you, 
You may want to pray this short prayer after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Please come into my life and save me. Please forgive my sins and give me your Holy Spirit, the living water, so that I can be changed from the inside. Amen. Now, I also want to encourage those of you who have walked a long journey with Jesus. He has been part of your story for many, many years. Yet perhaps you are facing some mountains in your life at the moment that feel overwhelming. Jesus wants to be part of your story now. He wants to help you in your current situation. In Psalm 46 verse 1 we read, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I read a book that had a chapter titled, From Me to We, From Me to We, and it spoke about living with a constant awareness of the Lord's presence and help. It even spoke about changing our inner language to include Him in our day-to-day lives. So instead of saying, as you wake up in the morning, sure, I've got a busy day today, you'd be saying, Lord, we have a busy day today. Lord, we have three appointments and we need to make some sales. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're a student or a scholar and you're saying, Lord, we have an exam tomorrow that we need to study for. Or maybe you're saying, Lord, we need to go and meet so-and-so because I really need you. Or perhaps it's just, Lord, What are your thoughts on this situation? What should we do? But not only do we need to move from me to we, we also need to learn to live with open hands. Pastor Andy Stanley illustrated this so wonderfully. This is what he said. He said this. He said, we need to live with open hands and pray. Lord, I'm going to love it when you put things in as well as when you take things out. Lord, I'm going to love it when you put things in, as well as when you take things out. He continued and said, don't have your fists closed, holding on to things that God wants you to let go of. Don't do that. Don't hold on to things that God wants you to let go of. And don't hold your hands up and resist receiving the things that God wants you to take hold of, those things that he wants to put into your life. Live with open hands. I don't know if you have ever noticed the contrast between the town where the Samaritan woman lived and the town that the demon-possessed man that I mentioned earlier lived close to. You see, the people from the Samaritan town, they went out to meet Jesus and they asked him to stay. And he spent two more days with them, teaching them. And because of his words, many more became believers. Their hands were open to receive. In contrast, the town that we read about in Luke chapter 8 responded with hands up, resisting Jesus. We know that Jesus had cast out this legion of demons, and these demons had asked to go into a whole herd of pigs. And this whole herd of pigs had run down this steep embankment into the lake and were drowned. 
But listen to this very sad passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 8, verse 34 to 37. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They should have been amazed, not afraid. They should have been rejoicing in this man's freedom. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and he left. Can you imagine this? They asked Jesus, the Messiah, to leave. It's tragic. Family and friends, we need to live with open hands. Jesus wants to be part of our lives. He wants to put things in. He wants to take things out. So a quick recap before I get into the final point. Firstly, Jesus knows your story. He accepts you. He loves you. He cares for you. Secondly, Jesus wants to be part of your story. And my third point is that Jesus invites you to be part of his story. Look, it's really wonderful that Jesus wants to be and is part of our story, part of our everyday lives. But it's even more wonderful that he invites us to be part of his story. Because Jesus has a story, and his story is about seeking and saving the lost. His story is about preaching good news to the poor, about binding up the brokenhearted and setting the captives free. His story is about proclaiming the year of the favor of the Lord. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 to 20, because it also gives us a glimpse into his story. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. This is Christ's story. This is his story. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Let that sink in. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. That's what Jesus did. He didn't count the fact that she had had five husbands against her. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. There's our invitation to be part of his story. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you have ever wondered what your overarching purpose in life is, here it is. It's to be an ambassador for Christ, wherever you are, wherever you live and work. And we are his ambassadors when we have the Holy Spirit in us, the living water in us, and we display the fruit of his presence. And we are his ambassadors when we endeavor to reconcile people to God. Henry Blackaby wrote a book titled Experiencing God. And in it, he said the following, if you really want to experience God, 
Find out where God is working and join him in his work. So if you really want to experience God, find out where he's working. Go on an outreach. Do something where he's working and join him in his work. I don't need to tell you that we are living in a very, very broken world. There's so much hardship and need. But I do know that at this time, maybe more than ever before in the history of the world, the fields are ripe for harvest. There are many, many people who are ready. They're ready to give their hearts to the Lord. They just need someone to tell them about Jesus. They need someone to help reconcile them to God. You have to smile at how the Samaritan woman becomes an evangelist. She has an encounter with Jesus. She's changed on the inside, and she runs off immediately to tell others about him, even the people that had rejected her. She says, I found the Messiah. She even leaves her water jar behind in her haste. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? I believe that the villagers saw the change, for they did not reject her or laugh at her or scorn her. Instead, the Bible says that they came out. They came out to meet with Jesus, and they asked him to stay, and he taught them, and they believed. Never underestimate the power of your testimony. Never underestimate the power of your testimony, especially if it comes from an encounter that you have had with the Lord. There's a kingdom purpose to our lives. There's something for each one of us to do. You can wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what is on your heart? What are we going to do today? Then while you're still in bed, you can think about your spouse and your children. You can think, Lord, how can I be a kingdom ambassador to them? And then you can think through your day about the clients you're going to meet or the school friends you're going to meet. And you can think, what am I going to, Lord, how can I be an instrument, an ambassador in their lives? You know, Jesus said, if you even just give a glass of water to someone in my name, you will not lose your reward. It's big things and small things that when we do to, for the Lord, we become part of his story. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we love that we have the privilege of being called children of God when we put our faith in Jesus we thank you for reconciling us to yourself in your son. We thank you that he paid the ultimate price, dying on the cross, shedding his blood so that we can be forgiven and so that we can be made alive. Lord, I thank you that you know the story of every single person watching and listening. And I thank you that you want to be part of their story. And I thank you that you have invited them to be part of your story too. I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, will empower them to fulfill everything that you have called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I trust that you all have a wonderful day, and God bless you.